and welcome to The 100 Podcast. I send Charlie here with you. Hope you're well. Today, we're doing another of our retention specials. Retention deadline day is fast approaching, and so we're doing an episode for every single franchise to take a look at which players their men's and women's side should keep around this time round. It's the Northern Superchargers. And it's interesting, and we'll get onto the women's side in a bit, Charlie, but it's interesting. Every off-season, we come in and look at what the Northern Superchargers have in their core. We, every time, say they're absolutely stacked. They should be a real contender heading into the season. This year is exactly the same. It is. You look at their roster, they have got an enviable list of talent, particularly in their batting department. Ben Stokes, of course, we're expecting to be more or less fully available. Might miss a few games at the start, but more or less fully available. What a player. Then you have the likes of Harry Brook, Adam Hose, Adam Live. There's so much talent there. And the last two years, I think they've underperformed, mainly because I don't particularly like their recruitment strategy in the two drafts. I think they've made some mistakes, and I think that overall, their team balance wasn't what it could be with that core that they have. But there's a few areas I think they need to strengthen. If they strengthen those areas correctly in this upcoming draft, they could be a serious outfit. Agreed. And look, let's just go through the top five that is going to play a lot of games. Harry Brook and Ben Stokes might miss some for the test side. We don't know how many games you know, necessarily they'll play, but they should be available for a lot of the tournament. The top five is solidified. It's Faf Duplessis, Adam Live, Ben Stokes, Harry Brook, Adam Hose. That is an absolute stud top order. Just, just you know, you've got everything there. You've got right-left-hand options. You've got players who destroy seam, players who destroy spin. You've got experience. You've got a bit of youth there. You've got everything you could want in a batting lineup. That top five is absolutely gone. The issue is how do they surround that top five with talent and how do they build a bowling attack that's going to be able to support that team and take them to a title. So if we look at the players they've got retained on the bowling side of things, it's not looking particularly pretty at the moment. Let's just take a look at, at what we've got here. We've got Adol Rashid retained at 125k, Duplessis and Brook at 100k, Ben Stokes obviously the central contract, Adam Hose sitting at 75k, Adam Live and Brian Cass at 60k. Obviously, Lyle had a really good season last year, struggled a bit in the big bash. I think he'll probably be quite comfortable staying with the Superchargers. We feel fine with that. We've got Matty Potts at 50k, might be spending some time with the England squad. Don't necessarily know at this point. Uh, Roloff van der Merwe, we're keeping around at 40k because he's just pure excellent vibes uh, and offers a lot. Obviously, he's a very experienced player. And Michael Pepper at 30k as well. So we've talked through that. Gun top five. You've got Michael Pepper, who's a really fun player. I think can probably slot in at six. It's not really a role he wants to play, not necessarily when he's suited to play, but he's a good hitter of spin. You can move him up and down the order. I feel like with the power you've got at the top, it's probably okay to have a kind of player like that at six-ish. The issue is, how do you build this bowling attack? That's the 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 whole thing about how their off-season is going to work here. Currently retained, you've got Adil Rashid, great, gun leggy, you're fine with that. Then you've got Roloff, Van der Merwe. Ideally, he's probably not in your starting 11, but he can do a job at the very least. And you've got Brian Carson, Matthew Potts as your seam attack, which is not looking fantastic. So really, Charlie, the debate is how do they create a gun bowling attack with the picks they have? 
Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think, first of all, I want to address a name who you might have been expecting to come up, but hasn't, and that's David Willey. Yeah. Now, in a normal world, David Willey gets retained, no questions asked, very good operator with both bat and ball. The reason that we haven't listed him to be retained is because he left Yorkshire last season under, let's be frank, pretty acrimonious circumstances. He did not hold back at voicing his displeasure at the Yorkshire administration. And with that in mind, I feel like it's unlikely that he's going to want to stick around the Headingley-based club of Northern Superchargers for any longer than he has to. So with that in mind, we're expecting that he will want to move on. And we've both agreed that that's likely to happen. So we haven't considered retaining him here. That's the correct move. I think for David Willey as well, because you think about, you know, what we saw last year in terms of the kind of players that ends up with big deals. We saw, you know, Tom Kohler, Cab, Moore, Laurie Evans, got all this big money. David Willey should get 125, 100K. That'll be a nice boost for him. Great for his family. You know, he's, he's getting a bit older. I think taking that boost for David Willey is absolutely right. But obviously that then complicates things because as a, you know, really gun power play operator still at the domestic level you'd say swings it left arm a point of difference obviously adds some of the bat as well it does cause issues for how you balance this side and improve the bowling unit it absolutely does all rounders like that don't grow on trees particularly domestic ones we see in world cricket franchise leagues all over the world that mold of player goes for a lot of money even if they aren't particularly good in quite a lot of circumstances so David Willey is not going to be an easy player to replace. But I think his main score set, the bowling, is going to be the key issue for them there. Um, Obviously, he is predominantly a power play operator. And I feel like in Matty Potts, they have someone who can do a very good job there. But I think for me, the key issue with this bowling attack, and it's been the same issue they've had for a couple of years now, has been their death bowling. The first season, it was very poor. Had a lot of power play specialists. Second season, they tried to fix this they brought in Dwayne Bravo with their first pick I don't think Bravo is the player he was necessarily I don't think that's the move again this year I think what you do need is a gun death bowler ideally one who can bowl with a new ball as well if you get that with your first pick I'm feeling better but I think that undeniably has to be the area that they target here it's difficult as well. Wahab Riaz was also there. He's just been absolutely thwacked for 36 and over by Iftikhar in the Bangladesh Premier League. I think his time is waning as well. So you probably want to replace those two guys. You've got in this draft, you've got the third overall pick for a potential quick bowler there. Options that might have decent availability. Trent Bolt would probably have full availability if he's declaring for it. Rabada and Norhea might well have decent availability as well. So, you know, there, there's some options there. I think Trent Bolt would be would be a decent one with that left arm angle. Not the best death bowler, but but someone who can operate there. Um, so so you'd think that he would definitely be an option for what they want to do there. Uh, and it actually kind of brings us to the second point of something we talk about the retentions here would be that maybe in round five of that 75k pick now there's a lot of players being retained in round three and four so you know there is going to be quality seamers available here you might go for another overseas player now you don't necessarily know who that might be but it, it brought an interesting conversation up with another player that had last year we were thinking of retaining David Visa obviously Visa 
you know, has, has had a, a decent like of late career bloom here, turning out for Namibia, playing in franchise tournaments, really good hitter. His bowling's still useful enough. And we were relatively confident in kind of keeping him around in this in this Northern Supercharger side. We thought that maybe he could bat six or seven. He offers you another, you know, couple of overs somewhere. Just, you know, provide some hitting and some bowling. But just with the, you know, the lack of domestic bowling quality that's going to be available in this draft. And you think of the key issue that they have in this side, it does feel like they should be, they should be letting him go and getting investing into overseas quick. So it's just the way I see it. I think you can find something at six or seven, the domestic range, you can replace what David Visa offers you. I think you really need to go and find a couple of gun overseas quicks. Now, I kind of see there being two solutions here. I think Trent Bolt is an interesting name up the top of the draft. I think the, the ECB are very keen to have him there. Also worth remembering in round five, you could get a guy like a Jason Berendorf. I know we're a, a very pro Jason Berendorf podcast, but he's a, he's a very good player. Um, you know, the, round five also, let's say, maybe a player like Caden Richardson's available, who's also, you know, a, a really good operator. He might be available in that kind of range. So it also then brings up the idea of, do you go in the top round for a high upside or rounder who can bowl you four overs most of the time, but can also provide that hitting strength at six or seven? That's where a guy like Marco Janssen becomes really, really interesting for me. Left arm angle. He's not the full finished product as a quick bowler yet, but goodness me. I mean, the, the way he took down Rashi Khan in the SA20, just an absolute demon with the bat. Feels like the kind of player they could stick in at six or seven. You bring in a Kane Richardson, you have Bryden Cast there. Feels like They'd have to work out the power play bowling a bit, but you'd feel significantly better patching up a seam attack overall with those guys. Absolutely. And that's the way I'd play it personally, backing those high upside players like Janssen, who has the potential to become an absolutely gun all-rounder in the not-too-distant future. That's how I'd do it. And to be fair, not in terms of age profile, but in terms of player profile, that is more or less the approach that they took last season. They recruited two seamers who can bowl at the death, one who can bat in Dwayne Bravo, and one who is a specialist bowler in Waham Riaz. Now, those are not the kind of age profile I'll be looking at, personally. I would absolutely be backing the younger approach, like Janssen. But historically, they have shown an interest in going to overseas bowlers to try and plug that gap. So that is presumably the kind of approach they're going to look at taking again. I'm just hoping they don't overvalue the experience this time because I think that has been their issue in previous seasons. I do also think that with the resources they have, they can patch together death bowling almost. I feel like you could hold Adil Rashid for maybe you know, a, a spell at the back end, five deliveries in the last 20 potentially, maybe 80 to 85 he takes there. If you brought in Marco Janssen, you know, maybe you could he he could maybe deliver a set of five there. Then if you bring in a gun death bowler to provide 10, that's great. Also, let's remember Roller Phantom Irv is very good under pressure. I know you might not think about your left arm spin at the back end, but could he deliver you a set of five somewhere? Potentially. I do think they can they can make this work. Um and I'm interested, you know, to see if they can invest those top picks in making a really strong bowling attack and putting one together because if they can 
you know, that just that just makes things so, so exciting for this franchise. And um, you know, I think it's worth remembering they haven't really necessarily utilized their resources as well as they could have in recent times. We both like Bravo and Riaz be a bit too old. There's some other players who are leaving, and Callum Parkinson, who we haven't retained. The reason being is we're pretty sure he's going to go to pastures new to get some playing times. So they they haven't used him as much as they should have. Really, he should have been playing over Roller Phantom Merva. We're pretty sure he's going to go to pastures new to get some playing time. So, yeah, the, the, there's resources there. They've just got to execute and get it right, and they could have a championship team. They could. Unfortunately, in the last couple of seasons, they have not got it right. I don't know what their backroom structure is going to be this year, but last year they had James Foster as their head coach, who I believe is staying on, and Hassan Chima as their analyst, who has done very good work with Islam Mad United in the PSL. I don't know if he's coming back. My guess is probably not based on some things that happened last season, mainly around him not being able to enter the country and some of the not-so-subtle Subtweets he made last season suggested he wasn't hugely happy with how things went. So I'm guessing that might not be the pairing that they return to this season. So maybe there'll be a change in strategy. I don't know. But in theory, there is absolutely the potential for this to be a great team. It's just that in the past, it hasn't necessarily gone that way. So the jury's out for me. Can I be harsh for a moment here? I'm going to be super harsh for a moment here. I know there's not really this sort of hot seat mentality in cricket unless it's the national coach. Everyone's to fire the national coach if anything goes wrong at any time. There's not really that hot seat mentality a lot of the time in domestic cricket unless you're the coach of the Punjab Kings in which your seat is so unbearably hot the moment you sit in it, you're getting fired regardless. James Foster's going to be on the hot seat if he if he doesn't get this team to the playoffs minimal, get them competing for a title next year. feel like he has to. We both love James Foster, obviously you're an Essex fan. You know, there are lots to love about him. I think last year his lack of head coaching experience kind of shined through a little bit. We, you know, he might improve, he might get better, but if you don't make something out of this core, I, I do think you have to be on the hot seat and you wonder, well, if they had Stephen Fleming, how much better do you feel about the side? Just a question that I think we'll put out there and we'll revisit when we see how good this side is. I think that the the key thing when I'm talking about how I feel about this, though, Charlie, is is also availability. We don't know how much Ben Stokes is going to play. Hopefully he's going to play for the whole tournament. That'd be great. We don't know if Harry Brooks is going to be there the whole time. That could cause issues as well. So with that in mind and the fact they've got to nail these picks to put together a, a good bowling side, how are you feeling about this Northern Superchargers men's lineup at the moment? I'm feeling like it could be very, very good or it could be disappointing and all in all a bit mediocre. Like, if I'm honest, it has been the past couple of seasons. The potential is there to go either way. Histori- history tells me that it's going to go the latter way. It's going to go the mediocre way. But for their sake, and for the competition's sake, I'm hoping that they get those top-order picks right, that they can put together a gun bowling attack to complement that really good batting attack on paper. And in theory, this could be a serious team to watch. But in all actuality, in actual practice, I don't know if that's going to actually take the field and happen. So the jury's out, but the potential is undeniably there. 
Let's move on to the women's side then, who also have some difficult choices to make. I, I think, to be honest, though, that the retentions bar one or two are relatively simple. We're keeping Jemima Rodriguez and Laura Woolvart in round one and two. That's the top price bracket. Woolvart obviously averaged 71.5 last year. Absolutely dominated the tournament. It's going to demand that price tag. Jemima Rodriguez, really good player as well. Maybe, maybe she could move down to round three. That's a discussion you can have. We'll see on that front. I feel like last year, obviously, we had the big three with Alyssa Healy in there as well. Just feels like you want to keep at least two of those players together. We've let Alyssa Healy go. You know, she, she's a really great player, but I think in terms of, kind of long-term holding on to these players, Rodriguez and Wolvart are the kind of players you want to keep an eye on. Healy's obviously going to go and get loads of money somewhere else. But ju- just in the in this specific moment, we, we've gone for Wolvart and Rodriguez. Which which is insane to say. By the way, Alyssa Healy is an absolutely insane player. But that that's the difficult situation you face there. And then round four, we've got Davidson Richards. Round six, we've got Katie Levick. On that Healy Rodriguez Wolvart situation, Charlie, it is very difficult to pick, isn't it? Because we obviously love players with intent. Alyssa Healy's got all of the intent in the world, can be so destructive. So picking one of those three players not to keep because by the way you can only keep two overseas players in this situation is it's just very difficult yeah you're spoiled for choice really unfortunately it's a choice you don't want to have to make because you have to lose an absolutely gun overseas player and you're gonna to have to watch that player go and play with someone else and it's going to be heartbreaking if you're going to supercharges to see Alyssa Healy or Joanna Rodriguez or Laura Warvar absolutely smash it against you. It's going to happen. You know it's going to happen and it's going to be horrible. But what choice do you have? You have to take that decision. And I just think in terms of long-term approach, I think Healy is the one to let go, which I feel weird even saying that because Alyssa Healy is so incredibly good. But when you can only have two of those, I just think this is the way to go, unfortunately. So you're going to have to accept that Healy goes elsewhere and you focus on the two very good players you do have, which is Rodriguez and Wolvart. You, you're not complaining with either of them. Great players. You know, I mean, I'm still a bit 50-50 about Healy and Rodriguez. I keep Wolvart. Let, let me explain to you why. I think we've had this discussion before on the podcast um, with a couple of different guests and kind of it about the weird situation that Laura Wolvart has in terms of her... Their place in the team. Wolva often starts a little bit slowly and then really accelerates at the back end. A strike over 133 last year, good. You know, average lots of runs, it's fantastic. But she doesn't really bat in the power play, which you think she would. I do think that there is a consideration to be had, and, and Rodriguez is a really good player, of if Wolvart's not going to bat in the power play and can start slowly, do you want to keep that gun aggressive open like Alyssa Healy around who can go absolutely insane in the power play, get you off to a great start, release the pressure on Laura Wolvart, who can then take the reins for the rest of the innings um, and kind of finish things off? I do think there's a debate to be had there. So I'm not fully sold on Rodriguez versus Healy 50-50 yet. Um, it's really difficult, but I think Rodriguez is a class player, so I'm not necessarily sure you can go wrong there. So, um, yeah, I think we're still a bit 50-50 on that, but it's a, it's a difficult situation to have. Davidson Richards at round four, very easy, in my opinion. Good player. Struggled a bit with the ball last year, actually. Uh, Conrad of 9.42, took wickets, but struggled a bit with the ball and, and really didn't offer much with the bat. 
at all. Just a, a poor season for Davidson Richards last year, but you just think that that's the kind of key piece you want to keep around this squad. Yeah, look, even the best players have bad seasons occasionally. I don't think it's worth judging a player of Davidson Richards' obvious quality and ability on that one season. I think at this point, we know what she's capable of. We know that she has the capacity to be a very important cricketer. I think 25k and round four is a good deal for that player. I I think it's a no-brainer personally. I think you invest in the future, you invest in the long term, you invest in that quality. And Davidson Richards is, yeah, it, it fits the ball perfectly for me. So it's a no-brainer to keep her there. Yeah, and I wonder if, and obviously they might get Holly Armitage back actually in the in whether it's in the draft, free agency, whatever. I wonder if Davidson Richards they consider giving the captaincy to give a bit extra responsibility to. Just, just for that. I also think maybe they move on from Jenny Gunn. That means you don't have two pretty much identical kind of players in there um, in terms of the roles they play. Although Davidson Richards does seem to be about 50 miles an hour quicker than, than Jenny Gunn does at this stage. <laughs> but uh, I, I do think some added responsibility might help there. Yeah, and then Katie Levick in round six. Obviously, there's other considerations. To have Holly Armitage as captain, do you want to keep her? Lindsay Smith, very good 2021. Lasso in 2022. Bess Heath, very promising. Had that one good innings, so fell off after that, but there's some quality there. But I just think you've got to keep Katie Levick, frankly, at round six. Literally, she was their only good bowler last year, really. Uh, corner at 5.82, that's you know across six ball overs from the stats from ESPN Crick Info, but very, very economical indeed. Um, going at less than a run of ball, averaging 16, six wickets in six games. But Davidson Richards did take wickets for them, it was expensive. Levick's economy rate was two runs per six ball over, better than Heather Graham, the, the next best player. Just a unique action, leggy. I just feel like she's worth it. And is is the player there that I'd be most keen to keep around? I would agree. I had a bit of an internal debate about this because I think Bess Heath is a player with a lot of upside. And my strategy is often you want to lock in those young players who have the potential to grow with your team, with your franchise. You can retain year after year and watch develop. And Bess Heath would have undeniably ticked that box. But... I just think when you only have four players to retain, you also need to be making sure that the players you're keeping are ready to contribute. And Bess Heath hasn't necessarily done that as regularly as you'd like from one of your only four players. I think she's absolutely a player that you can bring back. Maybe you look to use that RTL one at some point because there's a lot of quality mm. there. But when you're a side that have had those issues with their bowling attack and when you have a player like Levick at your disposal... You have to make sure that you're backing the player who you know will deliver quality, you know will get you results. And at this moment in time, that's Levick. So I think that's the logical play here. Yeah, I think it is too. Looking at the draft dynamics, I think the consideration maybe we have is we, we see if Jemima Rodriguez will do, move down to 25k. I think that's a possibility. You then write to match Alyssa Healy with the you know uh, in your first round pick. So you're still keeping Wolvar Rodriguez and Healy. You get Davidson Richards there. You get Katie Levick. You've got the bat at that batting core at the top sorted. You've got an all rounder. You've got the leggy. I think then you kind of look at maybe bringing in. It's really difficult is the other thing. And this is the thing where, where I kind of touch on maybe why they keep, you know, they don't bring Alyssa Healy back is it's very difficult, you know, looking at the kind of players that will be available to think, well, how am I going to build a really gun seam attack with the available players? I'm looking at some players we're projecting to be available in the draft, but, you know, assuming they bring in Alyssa Healy in, in, in round one and 
you know, your first picks in round five. I'm not sure how many of those can be available. Freya Davies, Tash Farrant, Eva Gray. Maybe you bring in Claire Nicholas to bowl in the power play. Grace Ballinger played one game for Spirit last year. Rachel Slater, Beth Langston, Rana McDonald, Gray, Katie George. It just when you get down to round five, like the 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 quality of Seema is obviously less so, and a lot of those players can be picked up earlier. So, you know, I do wonder whether they use that first round pick on, let's say, and you don't know if they'll be available at this point, a Marazan cap. Maybe you, you know, bring in a domestic start. Maybe you get Danny Wyatt or Danny Wyatt in Severlissa Healy at the top of the order, plays a similar role, domestic player as well. And then maybe in round five, you bring in the kind of, you know, overseas player who could really contribute there for you. Again, we don't know who might be there at that point. I really like Darcy Brown of Australia, swings the ball at good pace, I think is is, is a prospect for the future. So you, there's different ways to pivot. Um, but they're really going to have to think this through about how they want to build this side. Because whilst it's fun having Healy, Rodrigues and, and Wolvart there, it's not necessarily sustainable if you want to build a bowling attack that's going to win you a tournament. And they, they learned that last year. I think they did. It was a really exciting tough order to have last year, but it's very top heavy. And I don't think that's a balance that you can afford to have for too long because it isn't going to work. You, it's like that drawing, right? Of a horse and the front <laughs> half of the horse is drawn beautifully and intricately. And in the back half, it's just a child's scribble. You can't afford to have that yeah. when you're building a team because, you know, the horse isn't going to run. And in this case, the cricket team isn't going to perform. You need to have enough quality in both departments of course you know you're going to be a batting team or a bowling team most of the time that's how it's going to work you have to sacrifice a little bit in one area to strengthen the other but there's probably a point where you feel like that extreme has been gone to a bit too much and i think in the last couple of seasons that's been what the superchargers have erred towards so i think they need to pay close attention in this draft to make sure that they fill out both disciplines with equal care and because the potential is there to do that it's just getting that balance right if they do that then they're in a good position but if not i fear it could be a repeat of what has gone before interestingly a lot of the teams both men's and women's have real correlations again with the superchargers they've got a stacked potential of batting they've just got to work out how they go around building a bowling attack to match it both on the men's and women's side of things so really interested to see how they go in this retentions period and then obviously in the draft. We're going to have an episode on every single franchise ahead of the retentions deadline, going through what they should do. So come back for your favourite franchise when we drop that. Check us out on Twitter at Podcast 100. Loads of great stuff there. If you want to send us any thoughts about who you'd potentially retain, please do any mailbag questions as well. That'd be great. And yeah, all of the fun there at Podcast 100 on Twitter. But for now, thank you very much for listening. We'll speak to you next time. Listener.